Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. Speaking of the Word of God, is anybody ready for the Word today? Come on, if you're ready. All right, good. I'm ready to preach. If you have a copy of God's Word, go to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, also 1 Peter chapter 1. Uh, Hebrews 10, those aren't, they're not too far from each other. Hebrews chapter 10, 1 Peter chapter 1, we'll spend a lot of time in. And uh, we started uh, uh, just two weeks talking about hope. Hopeful uh, is the uh, kind of title of this uh, short couple of weeks of messages Hopeful. And last week, uh, if you missed it, I, t- I talked about uh, just really what it looks like to have hope kind of on, on this planet and as we're doing our life. If you missed last week, uh, go check it out on, the, uh, on our archives, on the website, or on YouTube. Uh, but uh, this week, we'll conclude this talking a little bit more about like a little bit beyond this life and our, our ultimate hope of glory and our eternal hope. And so um, uh, glad that you're here for this. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 says this, and this is kind of our, our, our theme text for the series. Let us hold on firmly to the hope that we profess. I like that because it's like, we don't just talk about it, but we hold on to this. I mean, as if it were tangible. Hold firmly to the hope we profess because we can trust God to keep his promise. I am going to uh, pray that that level of trust in God to keep his promise would just increase. And uh, I want you to pray with me. Um, not that you would encounter acute talk. I want you to pray that. I want you to pray that you would sense uh, the power of God over these next few minutes and that God would speak to your life. Will you pray that with me? Yeah, you, you will? All right, let's do that together. Lord, thank you for your word. And I do pray that your word would today come to life inside of us. Jesus, that we would encounter you, that you would speak to us, that you would change us. Uh, Lord, if we need a change of direction, let that happen. If we need a a change of mindset. Let that happen. Uh, we, we just need you and surrender and submit to you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. If you're joining us on a screen somewhere, you can be a part of all of these aspects of service. And we're glad that you're joining us. And we look forward to you being uh, here in person in one of our campuses sometime very, very soon. Uh, I heard about two uh, old guys. They were friends. They'd been friends for years. Now they were up in years, Abe and Saul. And uh, they like to go sit at the park and talk about life and talk about, you know, all stuff. You know, they're baseball fans, so they would talk about baseball all the time, last night's game and how well their favorite teams did and all that stuff. And this is one, one of the uh, mornings where this was happening. And Abe and Saul were at the park. They were feeding pigeons, talking about last night's baseball game. And uh, as they were talking, Abe looks to Saul and he says, you know, they're up in years. And he says, you know, I've been thinking about heaven. Saul says, yeah. Abe says, I mean, you know, you know how we love baseball. He said, yeah. He said, do you think there's going to be baseball in heaven? And Saul said, well, I don't know. But what if you and me made a pact right now that, uh, that you know, if whenever one of us 
dies and goes to heaven, that we'll come back and we'll tell the other whether or not there is, in fact, or not baseball in heaven. And he said, all right, they shake on it. I mean, this is a real deal, true story. And uh, so they, they, they agree to this. A um, few months go by. Abe, um, just as life would have it, we're, we're not promised tomorrow. Uh, Abe, something happens, and uh, he, he passes away. He dies. And so Saul misses his friend. And uh, a week or so goes by. Saul's now at the same park bench feeding the pigeons, but he's by himself. And uh, he's sitting there still kind of sad over the loss of his friend. And, and as he's sitting there feeding the pigeons, he hears a voice, a familiar voice. Saul. Saul. Because that's, that's how you talk when you're uh, in heaven. Uh, true story. And um, he says, Saul. And, uh, and he goes, Abe. Saul says, Abe, is that you? Saul says, yes, it's me, whatever. <laughs> so then uh, Abe was like, oh, man, I can't believe it. You're here to tell me. He goes, so tell me. I, I can't wait to hear. Is there baseball in heaven? And then, uh, and then uh, Saul says, or Abe says back to him, uh, well, I have good news and I have bad news. And so Saul says, well, give me, give me the good news first. And Abe says, well, good news is yes. There is baseball in heaven. And so then uh, at that point, Saul was like, man, that's such great news. What could possibly be the bad news? And Abe said, the bad news is you're pitching on Friday. <laughs> true story. It's not true at all. It's not even, it's not even theologically sound, all right? So don't, I don't, don't bank anything on that, all right? But uh, we're talking about uh, our, our hope of glory and, uh, and our, our focus on something beyond this life. And it's important that uh, from time to time we do that. This is not an, this is not an older person's exercise. This is a, a human exercise. Uh, none of us are promised tomorrow. So you may be 13 or 14 years old sitting in this service. You're not promised tomorrow. And you need to think about uh, what life looks like after this earthly life is done. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, uh, this is what Peter says. Always be prepared to give an answer when people ask you to give the reason for the hope that you have. He says always be ready to answer because when you go through life with hope, people are going to notice that. There's something different about you. The optimism that you, that you deal with. You, you go through situations, but it doesn't ever knock you. You may get knocked down, but it doesn't knock you out. And you still keep this disposition. And sometimes people will say, what is going on? What's the reason uh, that you act the way you act? What's the reason why you seem to be able to stay positive? What's the reason for the hope? And Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 3, you got to be ready to give the answer to that question. I want to make sure you're ready to give the answer to the question. The reason why Peter says, hey, you got to be ready for this is I believe because Peter gives the answer two chapters earlier. So in 1 Peter chapter 1, he gives the answers to the reason why we have this hope, why we hold on to this. I can't hold on to something that I don't understand. I can't grasp, uh, I, can't, I can't keep a, a grasp on something that I can't figure out. So it's important that we are able to answer these questions. I think, I think Peter does answer them in chapter one, let's read verses three through seven. Follow along with me. 
Peter says, praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. This thing, this, this hope is, is not some random cosmic, well, maybe things are going to work out. No, this, is, this hope is alive. And we have new birth into this living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept for you in heaven. Who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in heaven. uh, Ready to be revealed in the last time. In all of this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while you have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, which is of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though it's refined by fire, may result, your faith may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Peter was the uh, apostle of hope. He talks about hope more than, more than any, uh, unquestionably more than any of the other apostles. Uh, again, it's not this, just uh, this, well, you know, maybe things will work out or, you know, I hope good things happen. No, this is a hope that's based on scripture. Uh, the New Testament is, is filled, it's always related to, uh, to future good coming. And listen, no matter like what you're going through now, future good is coming. Like it, it will get better. All right, I can I can say that really across the board. And we don't know if every little situation on this earth maybe is going to get better or worse. We don't know if tomorrow is going to be better than today. I do know this though: at some point, it gets better. Like that's the promise. That's that's the hope uh, of the Word of God. And so it's an eager, confident expectation. Uh, for what happens in eternity. And so I want to give you a little quiz, a little, little pop quiz. Are, are we able to answer when somebody comes along and says, hey, what's the reason for this hope that you hold on to? Um, we're going to be able to answer those questions. So the first question that I think Peter does bring the answer to in chapter one, first question I want you to be able to answer is this. How is hope discovered? Like how do I initiate this kind of hope you're talking about, not, not, not little trivial things, but I'm talking about like this living hope. How does this get initiated in my life? How is hope discovered? How would you answer that question? This is how Peter answered it. Verse three. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. That's how it happens. New birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This 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 hope is found by new birth. It's not found by any other searching, any other doing. Let me ask you this. Is there anybody in the house today that has a propensity to lose things? You just want to admit it. You're like, yes, I am that person. Never can find my car keys. Never can find my my stuff. Some of you ladies have a purse that's like the closet of Narnia. And just... Victor gave me that one right before service. Uh, but yeah, like it just, stuff just gets lost in there. Uh, and so, yeah, and here's the problem. When, when I lose something of value, and I, I have, I've been doing pretty good, and I don't want, I, I started to say I don't want to jinx myself, but I don't believe in jinxes. I have hope that's way stronger than any goofy jinxing. So uh, I'm on a good roll. I haven't lost anything in a while. Um, 
I was in here praying uh, on uh, Friday, and when I got up from prayer, I picked up my, my backpack, and my wallet fell out, and it slid underneath one of the uh, seats here in the auditorium. But as soon I, I literally got out of the corner of my eye, I saw it fall. I said, what's that that fell? And I said, it was my wallet. Thank you, Jesus. I don't lose stuff like that. Uh, now, I have lost my wallet before, and let me tell you what was so disappointing the last time I lost my wallet. This was a couple of years ago. I knew I, had, I knew I had gone to like two or three different places in one day, and I mean, I retraced my steps over and over and over again. I went to the same establishments over and over again asking, has anybody found a wallet? I'm looking through trash cans. I, I literally, I mean, I'm looking everywhere in my car I know to look. Practically took the whole car apart. I just, I search and I search and I search. And so to add to the pain of losing something of value, I had to add also to the pain of this, searching where it wasn't. I mean, I spent hours searching where it was not. So now not only have I lost the wallet, but I've also lost a whole bunch of time and energy looking where it was not. This is the plight of the unbeliever. The, 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 the state of an unbeliever is a hopeless state, and yet they will go try to find hope in everywhere that it is not. They'll try to find hope in, in some relationship or some amount of money or some job. They'll try to find hope in some kind of pleasure, and what they'll be left with is, is just more hopelessness. It's, it's, and then now they've spent all this energy searching where it is not, and it can start to make somebody think that there's no such thing as real hope. And so where is hope discovered? Peter says it's only discovered in new birth because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's discovered through salvation. That's the message of the gospel, is that you get right with God, you get on track to heaven simply because of his grace and his mercy over your life. It's nothing that you earn. You can't do enough. You can't, you can't uh, behave a certain way in order to earn heaven. It does not work like that. All the gospel requires, like all this, this new birth requires is repentance, and faith, repentance, and belief on Jesus. And somebody might go, yeah, but pastor, what about life change? Well, here's the problem. If you could earn eternal life through your behavior, now Jesus has died for nothing. Now, I don't need Jesus because I can earn it with my behavior. So no, it's not, I can't behave a certain way to earn this hope of glory, this eternal landing spot called heaven. You go, well, what about obedience? Doesn't the, doesn't the gospel require obedience? No, the gospel requires faith and repentance. It, that, the, the, the obedience is not what the gospel requires. It's what the gospel produces. So, so once, once I experience this hope in my life, you know what it's going to do? It's going to motivate me now to become more and more like God. It's going to motivate me to be closer and closer to God. Eventually, yes, my life should start to look different than everybody's life. All those hopeless people that are living for all the hopeless reasons, yes, my life should look different. Yes, my behavior should look different. Yes, the way I date should look different. Yes, the way that I live and what I prioritize in my life should look different, but I don't do any of those things to earn Salvation. No, I do those things because I have been saved. It's because Jesus is alive 
that we live. That's what Jesus said in John 14. Because I live, you also will live. So how is hope discovered? It's not earned. It's not purchased. It's not behavioral. No, it's discovered through a new birth, faith in Jesus. Where is hope kept? Second question is this. Where is hope kept? If you're taking notes, write this question down. Where is hope kept? Verse 4 answers that question in 1 Peter 1. So he says, you have, you have new birth into this living hope and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept for you in heaven. It can't spoil. It can't fade. It can't perish Somebody has an inheritance on this earth, like an earthly inheritance, there's no guarantee that I'm going to get it because I could die before the person would pass away who's going who's to bring the inheritance to me. So there's no guarantee. This one, uh, Peter is trying to point out, no, there is a guarantee, and that inheritance, where is it kept? It's kept for you in Heaven. Can I talk to you for a minute about heaven? Heaven's probably something we don't talk about enough, we don't think about enough. Uh, there's a book called Heaven, a great book by Randy Alcorn. And uh, in that book, he writes this, um, this, this thought that I, I want to read to you today. Hear this. In the book Heaven, he says, The sense that we will live forever somewhere has shaped every civilization in human history. The unifying testimony of the human heart throughout, throughout history is belief in life after death. Anthropological evidence suggests that every culture has a God-given innate sense of, of the eternal. That this world is not all that there is. Every culture, like every, every study of civilization, will, will, you'll, you'll, you'll see this coming up, this sense that there's more to life than, than just this. Uh, this. This world is not all that there is. Now with that, if people don't have uh, the teaching of the, of the word of God, people can have all kinds of thoughts about what heaven is and what it looks like and who's going to be there. And you'll hear some funny ones, man. I mean, you'll hear people talking about like, yeah, that, you know, when you get, die, then you get, you turn into like Cupid or something. You just kind of flutter around with little wings and, and you know, delicate, delicately bounce from cloud to cloud and that's eternity, you know. Like sometimes people describe heaven in a way that you're like, well, I'm not, I'm not certain that is what I'm like down for, you know, like, uh, but most of that's coming from just some sort of imagination. Um, but the Bible does talk a lot about heaven and what it's going to be like. It's, it's not some uh, spirits floating around in the clouds. It's not some disembodied state of being. Heaven is an, an eternal, it's an eternity living in resurrected bodies, eating, drinking, and worshiping through this perfect existence on a new earth. And uh, uh, let, me, let me read a couple of scriptures for you. John chapter 14, a couple, a couple of these scriptures that just talk about heaven. My father's house, Jesus said, has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back, Jesus said, and take you with me to be, uh, to be with me, that you also may be where I am. That's really the beauty of heaven is that we are in the presence uh, of God uh, forever. Roman, uh, I'm sorry, Revelation chapter 7, verse 16. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them. 
That's a verse for Florida in August right there. In heaven, the sun will not beat down on them, uh, nor any scorching heat. And the church said amen. Revelation 21, verse 4 and 5. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no mourning or crying or pain. For the older things has passed away. He who has seated on the throne has said, I am making everything new. This is our inheritance. And Peter calls it an inheritance, and I think it's interesting that he does because literally the, the, the people he's writing to in that moment, this letter is obviously for us too, but in that moment, he's writing to Christians, many of whom had possibly lost their earthly inheritance because of their faith in Jesus. Their decision to be a Christian, now they're written out of their families and they're written out of their earthly inheritance. And to them, he says, look, I know you may have lost your inheritance here on this earth, but I promise you there's an inheritance coming that is far greater than anything you could ever imagine. I think it's interesting that he uses this term, this idea of inheritance, and that's, what, uh, that's where our, our hope is kept, is in this inheritance called heaven. And I think... Because of, of, of their loss, their lack, like these people that Peter's writing to, they had no choice but to take their focus and, and, and forfeit the inheritance here on this earth. And that forfeiting here on this earth put their focus on an eternal heaven instead. And I want to say this carefully, and I want you to hear my heart on this. They didn't have much to live for, which meant they only had heaven to live for. Hear me, sometimes we have too much to live for on this earth. Like sometimes our existence is so comfortable and so filled with so many distractions and so many things. I don't know if we'd say it out loud, but sometimes in our heart, we start to have this thought of like, I mean, I don't, I don't want to go to heaven yet. Like I'm having, I'm having too much fun here. Like I, I don't want to, I don't want to go there. And part of that's just a misunderstanding of, of heaven. And part of that is that our focus is too much on this earth. Like if I were to, if I were to put this little crude um, uh, scale up here, a scale made out of a plank of wood and some rocks. And if I had to say, hey, one of these sides represents our life on this earth, and one of these sides represents eternity, our life after this earth. I think most of you could probably guess which is which, but I think the problem is is that this rock is still too big when we're trying to compare our life to this earth compared to eternity, and this stack of rocks on this side to represent eternity would continue to rise out of the frame, up out of the building, and up into the heavens. It would go on beyond what we could ever see. This is the difference between life on this earth and life in eternity. The problem is we live too often like this is the heavy side. We live too often like we're living for things on this earth. We live too often prioritizing this side. This is the light side. This is the short side. The book of James says our life is but a vapor. Like we're here and we're just gone. Again, this is not an older person's thing or a younger. This is all of us. You might be 16 in this room and think, no, I can, I'm going to live for, what are you talking about, vapor? No, you're not promised tomorrow. 
And so whether I'm at the age of, of 12 or 13 or I'm at the age of 93, 94, 95, like I've got to be thinking about this side of the scale, the, weight, the weighted side, this is the heavy side of life is eternity. And I gotta be living that way. Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter four, for this light and momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory. That's the heavy side. The e eternity is the heavy side. It's not, it's not here, but it's heaven. And we've got to live with that as our mindset. We've got to live with that in our sights. We can't get so focused on what's going on here. Think about, man, just the, the number of things that we listen to that prepare us for here. We listen to self-help because we want to be better here. We listen to, uh, you know, this nutrition plan because we want to be better here. We listen to, uh, we read this book because we want life to be better here. And we do this because this book will teach me how to make money so I'll have more life here. And how often are we reading and thinking and praying and dreaming and have hope for there? And that's the one. That's the heavy one. Where is hope? Kept for me, it's kept in heaven. Third question is this, uh, what will protect my hope? Is this thing fragile? Is this thing gonna fade away? Verse five, Peter answers that question. Who, through faith, are shielded, this talking about us, we're, we're shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Who, through faith, are shielded by God. This hope is protected. This hope is secure. This is uh, shielded, the Bible says. And this comes with this concept of a, of a garrison, of like a, a military watch shielding the hope that is yours. And so, listen, it's, it's shielded by God's power. There's no shortage here. Shielded by God's power. It's by God's power, but it's through our faith, okay? Through faith, shielded by God's power. Through our faith, by God's power. It is a cooperation of God's power and our faith. So here's what that means. Stay with me, here's what this means. It means that my hope can't be stolen, but my hope can be surrendered. Like, I can walk out of the protection. I can walk away from this, this military protection of my hope. I can move outside of that as I lose my faith. It's like when you watch in the news, even this last week, and these reporters are out there in the middle of the worst part of the storm, and they're broadcasting, you know, and the wind's hitting them, and the trees are blowing or whatever and they're out there and, and I'm watching this thinking y'all don't have to do that like just just show me one of the cameras that are mounted somewhere I don't need to see you out here in this storm like I know it's a storm like what are you doing and if something were to happen to that person who could they blame I mean, they blame the news channel for making them be out there okay but ultimately if I'm out in the middle of a storm and I got shelter over here but I've chosen to walk out and be in the middle of the storm who can I blame when injury comes? Who can I blame when I lose what was mine if I've walked out of the shelter? Is hope protected in your life? Yes. God's power is more than enough. 
as long as I am in faith. See, Titus talks about this, what, what, that, what living in faith and how that will affect like my priorities. When I have a sight on heaven, it'll affect the way I live on this earth. In Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 13, for the grace of God has, has appeared. It offers salvation to all people, right? New birth, that's what we're talking about. But it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of our, uh, the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. What are we doing while we wait? While we focus there, what are we doing? It's affecting the way we live our life. Why? So I don't walk out from that protection of my hope. Last question is this. When will hope be full? Because we this 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 series is called Hope Full. And yes, we want to live life with as much hope on this earth as we possibly can, but hope won't truly be full until heaven. And that is when your hope is realized. That is when your hope is fulfilled. Peter talks about that in chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. In all of this, you greatly rejoice about that time. You were greatly rejoice, even though for now, a little while, you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that your proven genuineness of your faith is greater worth than gold, even though it perishes when it's refined with fire. This may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. That's why we greatly rejoice, because we know the outcome. Matter of fact, yeah, can we just do that? Can we greatly rejoice at the outcome? Thank you, God. And the reason why that was a fitting response to that verse is because that phrase, greatly rejoice, that is literally what it carries with it, is, is dancing, it carries with it shouting, it carries with it clapping. And you go, how can someone, when they're going through the trials that he's talking about, how can someone, when they're going through tough seasons in their life, and many of you have been privileged enough to see that in person, where somebody is going through a very, very rough season of their life, yet they come walking into church, and sometimes you can see the grief still on their face, but their hands will be lifted high. And they'll be glorifying God. How can somebody do that? Because they know the hope will be full one day. They can do it because of this word right here. Yet. Oh, the power of yet. Somebody may look at you and say, well, you're, you're not healed. And you say back to them, no, I'm not healed yet. But one day, whether it's on this earth or in heaven, I will be healed. I'm just not healed yet. Yet. Your kids, your kids aren't, aren't, aren't coming back to God. They're, they're, they're not living for God. No, 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 they're not living for God yet. But there's a hope in my life that's stronger than whatever sin is controlling their life. Oh, you, you, you're not provided for. No, I'm not provided for yet, but it's, it's, it's coming. The power of yet, I've not been healed yet. I've not come through the fire yet, but I'm coming through it. My peace, are you, you got peace? Well, my peace isn't fully here. Yeah, but it's coming. My reconciliation hasn't come, but it's coming. It's not come yet. My kids aren't saved. The power of yet. Somebody look at you and say, you don't act like Jesus. Well, I don't act like Jesus yet. Get back with me tomorrow. It's coming. Yeah, amen. No, the power of yet. That's, that's hope. That's what hope. That's what hope looks like. And it'll be full 
on a day when we are with Christ in heaven and there'll be praise and there'll be glory and we'll be, it'll, it'll be the fulfillment of this hope. It's, it'll be our home. Um, it was probably back in 2017, I think it was, when hurricane, uh, I got hurricanes on the mind after this week. We continue to pray for those that are uh, affected by this storm and please continue to do so. But 2017 was Irma that was coming through and I think that was the one that was set to come, come up right through the middle of the state, if I remember correctly. And that weekend that it started to develop, I was out of town speaking out of state actually and, and as that storm was coming and, and uh, looking like it could be severe, uh, my wife and, and our, our kids, they'd end up driving north to Alabama, drove to Montgomery, Alabama to stay with some friends of ours. And I got done speaking in uh, Philadelphia on that Sunday morning and I caught a plane instead of flying. A matter of fact, I couldn't fly home at that point. The airports were closed. So I flew to Atlanta and then they came and picked me up and we went to Montgomery together. I caught up with them. So after the storm passed, we probably, I was in Montgomery probably at that point for maybe a, a day or half a day or something like that. And we started on the journey home. What should have been a seven-hour trip, um, and it ended up taking twice that long. It was like a 14-hour drive home. It was the worst. It was the worst experience in a car I've ever had. It took, it just was going on and on forever. Like everybody was trying to go back to Florida at the same time. So I-10, I-75 were just parking lots. I'm not talking about like, oh, there was an accident, so there was an hour delay. No, I'm talking about the whole trip was just bumper to bumper and to, to, to drive in that was just so maddening but then it got worse is that we were so hungry and so thirsty and nothing was open everybody was still closed from the uh from the storms and the few i mean i'm talking like two or three places that were open they were just inundated so if there was like one truck stop that was open the exits would be lined up for miles just to get off on that exit and we were so thirsty we're like, we should have packed stuff when we left. We didn't know it was going to be like this. We thought it was going to be normal. And it was not. Matter of fact, about halfway through the, the journey, one of our kids found a, a water bottle underneath one of the seats with like a half, a, half, a, half of it full. We started rashing it out. We're just like, okay. We, we stopped at one. We finally got off and like, oh, this looks like it might be open. We finally get into the parking lot of, of some like little gas station. And I looked in the window. Literally, I was scared to go in. It looked like a zombie apocalypse movie. Like just all these people like just, I mean, shoulder to shoulder everywhere, full. And they're just all looking at each other like, we are hungry. Come in. We want to eat you. Like I didn't know. We literally just, I just drove away. We're like, well, forget that. We can't even do that. And it was such... It was such a horrible journey. And I look back on it like, what, why, why did I keep going? Why didn't I just pull over and be like, it's it, we're done. I'm just gonna live here on I-75 or die here on I, whatever. Like, what kept me going? I'll tell you what kept me going. Literally that night, here's what kept me going, is I kept thinking about home. Oh, we started talking about home. We start talking about, oh my goodness, our bed is going to feel so good. We start talking about the shower that we're going to, we're going to, it's going to feel so good. We start talking about the, well, the refrigerator, we're going to open it up and there's going to be like, we can get cold drinks and water. And we start, we literally start talking about cereal. Oh man, how doesn't cereal sound good? You know, you're hungry. 
How did I make it through that journey as I just put my focus on home? And I'm going to tell you this right now. We don't put our focus on home enough. That's why sometimes we feel like this world is going to take us out. That's why sometimes we get on wrong, wrong roads and wrong directions. Because I've lost sight of where I'm going. And then we wake up and go, how did I end up over here? Oh, yeah, you took a bad turn about 100 miles ago. And some of your friends were trying to tell you, but all you could see was your, your, your little road here. on the. You had your eyes down instead of looking up at home. That's why heaven, listen, heaven is your inheritance. Heaven is your home. And that's why we keep our faith. That's why we keep our hope. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.